Welcome to C's for Creepy. My name is Elise. And my name's Courtney. Join us every week as we discuss our favorite true crime and paranormal stories. From A to Z. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of C is for Creepy. Thanks again for listening to last week's episode. We love seeing all the support. Absolutely, it's been great. All right. Also, just a quick note at the beginning of the episode, please don't forget to rate and review. Yeah, help us get on the map and help other people see us. And, you know, make sure you share us to all of your friends and family who love the good old true crime and paranormal stories. Yes, absolutely. Please do. So what is our letter E this week? So for E, I decided to uh, switch it up a little bit. Um, This week, E is for espionage. Oh, okay. What is espionage? So according to spymuseum.org, espionage is the act of spying or using spies, agents, assets, and intelligence officers, as well as technology to collect secret information, usually through illegal means. So like the KGB, governmental blackmail? There would be some of that involved, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So in the USA... Uh, the 1917 Espionage Act was passed just after the states entered World War I, with penalties such as a $10,000 fine all the way to the death penalty for people who are convicted of supplying the country's enemies with information that weakened the defense of the nation. This act has also been criticized and challenged countless of times over the years, as the language used to write the act contradicts the First Amendment to the freedom of speech. So some famous people would be like um, Edward Snowden, Mm -hmm. who released the state secrets, and then also WikiLeaks. They were also charged with this. So there's been quite a few acts of it. Okay. Yeah. So technically, like, you could go to prison... For saying, oh, we're snowed in in Montana. No? Mm, not so much that. More like um, anything that's like an actual breach of government um, securities. So like okay. any of their defense things, any of their military operations, any of their like, um, economic changes that they plan to do before it's released. Okay. Yeah. So the use of spies in warfare has a deep and long history with texts on the subject dating as far back as the 4th century BC in China and India. Okay. Yeah. In modern times, espionage and the tools used to gather intelligence has changed, with intel being obtained by governments and corporations for economic growth and diversity. Steal uh, competitors, then create your own. Mm -hmm. At one time, spies relied purely on human intelligence as in the spies were trained to obtain and, in code, relay information back to their handler. Okay. Okay. Now technology is able to track and trace almost anything, either from intercepting messages, to overhead surveillance and the use of satellites or drones, to being able to comb through countless numbers of public and private records being kept online. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I'll be careful about what your cookies see in. (laughs) You're always being watched. You're always being watched. That information is being gathered somewhere for some purpose. So now let's go back to World War II and the use of women 
for espionage. It's a well-known fact that both sides of the war had spies at their disposal. And as such, the Allies found that males were often being detained in labor camps or they were being used on the front lines. And it would make a man seem out of place in these war-stricken areas. To combat this, in Europe, women were being sent behind enemy lines with missions such as planting bombs, stealing plants, and recruiting locals to set up their own network of intelligence gathering. Very smart. Mm-hmm. Okay. So before this, female spies generally were used for two main purposes, either in desks, doing secretarial work, and getting very little recognition, or in the field, using male desire to gain their information. You know what? If you got it, flaunt it and use it. Yeah. Men are stupid. So it's also been referred to as sexpionage. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I love it. To be fair, both men and women use this. It's not just women. I just thought that that was fun to throw in. Mm-hmm. So they would perform, both men and women would perform, and they would be tasked with gaining information from their targets by luring them to romantic entanglement. While still used, World War II was truly some spectacular instances of women using both their wits and their trained skills in order to turn the tides of the war. I'm going to focus on one female espionage agent who went by many names, but who I will be referring to as Pearl Witherington. Okay. So her full name is like Pearl, or sorry, Cecile Pearl Witherington Coraloni. Like, it's a long name. So okay. we're going to call her Pearl. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Pearl was born June 24th, 1914 to British parents living in France. Despite coming from a wealthy background, her father had an alcohol problem, which led to the fortune the family had being dwindled away. She ended up working for the British Embassy in Paris and was engaged to a man named Henry Cornioli. Her life was peaceful until May 1940 when Germany invaded France. Fair enough. Yes. That'd be a shitty day for everybody. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, this is going to be like a history lesson a little bit, so I hope you enjoyed that. That's okay. Okay. So, Pearl was able to flee the occupied nation with her mother and three sisters, leaving behind her fiancé. Uh-oh. Yeah. But she did make it safely with her family to London in 1941. Okay. Once in England, Pearl joined the Air Force, specifically the Women's Auxiliary Air Force. Despite being given basic training, all the women in the unit were not involved in any active combat. Duties include parachute packing, aircraft maintenance, transport, and communication duties. Okay, wait. They trusted women to fix these airplanes. But, but... not fly them. Oh, man. Okay. That okay. hurts my soul a little. Well, so in... There was a... Oh, I'm not the biggest buff with history, but from what I read, that there was a draft for women where they were either... Exa- uh, like, to help with, like, some sort... Like, the behind-the-scenes... Or they were just supposed to work in, like, the factories. Mm-hmm. So either way, like, they had to be put to work. If you're, like, given the choice, I would much rather pack a parachute and do airplane maintenance than factory work. Oh, yeah. Or even being, like, a nurse on the front lines. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Packing parachutes. But kind of sad that you can fix the airplane, but you can't fly it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They were also tasked with 
analyzing reconnaissance photos, and working with codes and ciphers for intelligence operations. What is that movie? Um, it was pretty much about the turn of World War II. With the Enigma code? Yes. Uh, no, I don't think it was. Uh, the oh, that sounded so... But it's got Benedict Cumberbatch and... Yes. Yeah, I love that one. I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could remember what it's called, but that's what this sounds like. A little bit, yeah. So, like, they were doing the scenes work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, while the Women's Auxiliary Air Force work was vital for the war effort, Pearl felt the tedium of working behind the scenes, and she wanted a more active role. Okay. Yeah, she applied to get into the Special Operations Executive, and being that Pearl was spoke French fluently, she was accepted June 8th, 1943. Okay. Are you still looking up? Yeah. Okay. During her training, Pearl was praised as being one of the best shots the service had ever seen. The imitation game. That's it. Yes. Yes. I really like that one. It was really good. Yeah. But it's the same. Same thing with using the codes and deciphering them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, continue. Sorry. That's okay. It was going to bother me until I figured it out. I know. That's all good. Um, so like I said, she was uh, considered one of the best shots. Uh, her trainers also commented that she was cool and resourceful and extremely determined. September 1943, Pearl would finish her training with the SOE and be sent back to France for her operation. What does SOE stand That one stood for Special Operations Executive. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm going to be calling it SOE. Sounds that's good. A, that's a mouthful. She parachuted into occupied France on September 22nd in 1943 near Tendeux and connected with Maurice Southgate, who was the leader of the SOE Stationeer Network. So all of these different spy networks were set up all over France, mm-hmm. and they were all given different code names in reference to that area. And okay. Stationeer was like a very vast network. It was it had like over three thousand different oper- like operatives working under them. Okay, so it was a very large area that she was in of France. That's really cool. Yeah, Pearl also reunited with her fiance Henry. I don't know if it's Henry or Henri, because he's French. Okay. okay. But either way, he escaped from German prison camp. Well, that's good. Yes, absolutely. So her code name was Marie, and for eight months, she worked as a courier while posing as a makeup saleswoman. A Mary Kay lady? Yeah, kind of. So she'd go around selling makeup. She didn't wear any makeup, but she sold it. Okay. Yeah. The stationary network, as I mentioned, was large, and because Pearl had to constantly be on the move, she primarily slept while on trains from one destination to the next. And this is like cargo trains. These aren't like trains. There was no heat. She got really sick for a while because of the cold, but she recovered. Okay. That takes talent. Right? That takes determination. To be able to sleep anywhere. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. On one occasion, according to historylearningsite.org, Pearl had to wade through freezing water with a bike slung to her back when a bridge was guarded without prior knowledge. Which, I don't know about you, but I don't like being cold at the best of times. No. No. 
So cold water with a bike, trying to be sneaky. None of those are my forte. I would have been given up with the swearing that would be coming <laughs> from me. Yes. I would not have like suffered in silence. That is that is a skill that I lack. Fair. She was also stopped and searched by the Gestapo and the police on multiple occasions. Her false identification papers protecting her from incarceration or worse. Okay. In May of 1944, Southgate, Southgate, her handler, was found out and he was sent to Buchenwald concentration camp. With the leader of such a vast spy network being incarcerated, SOE ordered the stationary network to be divided and Pearl would be the leader of the newly formed wrestler network. And she would have a new code name, Pauline. Okay. That would be terrifying. Well, especially because she was a woman, she during her training she wasn't given like any leadership training, like operationing, not the mm-hmm. planning and the strategic training. She was doing such a good job and she was so determined. Yeah. And she did show potential. That's why she was given that No, 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 no. Like what I mean is that would be terrifying that like your handler is now in a concentration camp. Yeah. And they're just like you're up. Yeah. I would be absolutely terrified. Yeah. Because now they're on the lookout for all of these people. Uh-huh. But I guess on the other end, they would never assume that you would give a woman that position. No, I uh, that could have been part of it too. And I think that they were smart in breaking the territory of that network. Mm-hmm. So they divided it because it was so fast. So f- just for like security reasons, try to keep these operatives safe. Yeah. With the division, hopefully Pearl would be safe now in her. Okay. Yeah. So Pearl was now in charge of about 1,500 resistance fighters. And did she put them to good use? Under her leadership, the local resistance, also known as the... Oh, fuck. I should have put a pronunciation in this. Maquis did what they could to hunt and destroy the German activity. So they did things like cut phone lines, they blocked roads and trains with trees that they would cut down. Unfortunately, this did draw the attention of the Germans, who wanted to quench all of the resistance activity. Okay. Yeah, so they put a million franc bounty on her. But did they even know who she was? They didn't know. They, like, had an idea of who she was. They might not have been. Okay. But they knew that Pauline was in charge, and they wanted to get her. Okay. Right. Okay. So, the morning of June 11th, 1944, a strong German force overwhelmed the Le Sochel Chateau, where Pearl's headquarters were located. With a few maquis around, only approximately 140 against 2,000 Germans, the battle should have been ended quickly, but instead it lasted for hours. Pearl, upon hearing the gunshots, grabbed a tin can with her emergency cash fund and hid in a wheat wheat field. Oh, she didn't even fight she. Okay. Well, strategically, that's the smart thing to do. Like, she's the leader of the resistance. If they were able to get their hands on her and get the information out of her, she'd be dead and no good to anybody. This is true. If she'd she, actually be a liability. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So if she survives this, then she knew the okay. fight. Like I said, it was a long battle, reportedly lasting 14 hours. 
and it ended with 24 of the resistance members dying and the Germans destroying all of the weapons in the chateau. Okay. So, and, like, luckily that, like, destroying the weapons was all the Germans, like, really ended up caring about. They didn't go and look very hard for any survivors. So, okay. After the attack, Pearl biked to the nearest SOE member for more supplies, and three days later, she got a drop, and she was back in business. Oh, that's a quick turnaround. Yep. The amount of resistance fighters under her quickly grew to 3,500. So she went from 15 to 35? Yep. Oh, wow. And Pearl kept them all armed. Under her, they launched large-scale guerrilla warfare. Their missions were to do everything in their power to disrupt the German supplies and forces gathering. One of the most notable accomplishments of her group was the attack of supply routes. The rest of their group was able to bomb stretches of a key railway between the south of France and Normandy over 800 times. Nice. Yeah. Also in the second half of 1944, as Germany was being pushed out of France, Pearl saw the surrender of 1,800 German... So she oversaw it, but unfortunately at the time, an American general was credited with the surrender as the German commander did not want to deal with the French resistance fighters because they were not soldiers. Oh, okay. That's... Okay. Only resistors. That's fine. No big deal. Only bombed a whole bunch. Yeah. Okay. So September 21st, 1944, Pearl and the other British under her command were given orders to return home. She married Henri Cornioli. I don't know. Sorry. I just Mm -hmm. lost this. So Henri had been her second command during the service. And they also had a daughter together named Claire. Yeah. After the war, Pearl was recommended for the Military Cross. However, as she was a woman, she was not eligible. Oh, okay. Yes. She was instead offered a member of the Order of the British Empire in the Civilian Division. Pearl rejected the medal and was quoted with, There is nothing remotely civil about what I did. I did not sit in a desk all day. She did accept a military MEB, which was advanced to the commander of the Order of the British Empire years later, and was also a recipient of the Legion of Honor. Good. Mm-hmm. Okay. After waiting over 60 years, Pearl was granted her parachute wings. Despite only doing three chaining jumps and one operational jump, she complained for years to anyone who would listen that men got to do four training jumps and wings were given after five. She thought it was an injustice and luckily others agreed. <gasps> At 92 years old, on April 11th, 2006, members of the Parachute Regiment visited Pearl in her retirement home to award her her wings. Aww, that's cute. Yeah. Pearl also wrote a memoir with Hervé Lacroix, who told tales of her experience as an SOE agent. It has been adapted into a book called Codename Pauline, Memoirs of a World War II Special Agent, as well as a biography about her was released titled She Landed by Moonlight, the story of a secret agent, Pearl with Pearl passed away in 2008 at 93 in France. To quote almightygirl.com, 
For her, fighting Nazis was to protect her adopted homeland, and it has never been questioned. She said, I thought, this is impossible. Imagine someone comes into your home, someone you don't like. He settles down, gives orders. Here we are. We're at your home now, and you must obey. And to me, that was unbearable. And that is the story of the spy, Pearl Witherington. That's amazing. Yeah. I thought it was super interesting. Yeah, definitely. And after last week's story, I think we definitely needed a little bit of an uplifting story. I thought so, too. Like, I needed some more girl power, and I think she definitely delivered. That's wonderful. That's so cute. I'm glad you did that one. Yeah. Do you want to hear a ghost story? I would love to hear it. So for my E, I am doing Emily's Bridge. Ooh. Yeah. So, the Goldbrook Bridge in Stowe, Vermont, USA, is particularly known as Emily's Bridge, and people come from all over to witness the alleged supernatural activity. Ooh. Yeah. It's actually, like, such a cute little bridge. I can imagine doing, like, family photos in front of it. Aww. This is a small wooden covered bridge built in 1844 by John W. Smith. Fun fact... It is the only 19th century covered bridge in the state of Vermont built using wooden how trusses. So when you say that, that really make picture um, like the headless horseman? Exactly. (gasps) Oh! I'm so excited. The bridge. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, that's okay. I know. I'll still be excited. I'm still excited. Yeah. Sorry about that. (laughs) And carrying a public roadway. Okay. So it's the only one with wooden howe trusses carrying a public roadway, which is pretty cool. It is a single lane bridge, 50 feet long. Its wooden frame has become dark and weathered over the years. Very speedy. Setting the scene. In 1974, it was registered as a historical site, which is kind of cool to think like a wooden bridge is a historical site. I guess, you know, if there's one surviving, might as well be. Might as well. Yeah. The Goldbrook Bridge, Emily's Bridge, was featured on the haunted locations of the paranormal series Most Terrifying Places in America, episode titled Cursed Towns in 2018. The story behind Emily's Bridge goes, in the mid-1800s, a lady named Emily was supposed to meet her paramour, a secret lover, at what was then called the Goldbrook Bridge to elope, but he never showed up. What a it is said that Emily took her own life that night by hanging from the rafters of the covered bridge. Oh, homegirl, no. I know. But again, this was in the 1800s. Oh, man. You can find another secret lover. Another version of the story is that she drove her horse-drawn carriage off the bridge, plunging into the river below. Oh. I, I have some issues with that story. Yeah. Because some of the photos, it looked more like a creek (laughs) than a river. Fair. But, yeah. So, do with that information as you will. The stories that followed have been that Emily is very angry and vengeful spirit. The tales of claw-like gouges down the sides of cars and other ghastly stories surrounding the bridge. Emily, calm down. Woman scorned. Yeah, but don't take it out on the cars. Oh, no. At night, the pitch-black darkness is smothering. 
The rushing water splashing against the rocks is deafening, with the echoes from the wooden bridge setting the eerie scene for the ghost of Emily. I'm sorry, the the creek is making all these noises? Well, you gotta think, it is a wooden bridge. Like, you gotta think, like, the water splashing... And if you're in a wooden room, like the echoes are a lot more. Okay, yeah, no fair. I'll give you that. I'm sorry. I just like oh, since I you agree. said creek. I'm just like. Hmm. Oh, I know. That <laughs> was just my version. Fair. You know, maybe in Stowe, Vermont, rivers are creeks. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's a pretty strong stance. I I don't know. She's <laughs> just what I seen. I've never personally <laughs> been there. So, some of the paranormal. Cars, horses, and carriages have been known to get scratched. Clawed while passing under the bridge. Oh, I don't like that. Wait, where are they getting clawed? Like, along the sides or underneath? Along the sides. There was a photo of a car and the front bumper had, like, a scratch mark along it. That's horrifying. Yeah. Now, you... You're mad at her scratching cars. I would personally rather her scratch my car than my horse. <gasps> no! Oh, yeah, because it was cars, horses, and carriages. Oh, shit, you're totally right. The poor horses. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Emily, don't take it out on the horses. And, like, let's be honest here. If it was a man driving that car, maybe she's just mad at all men. I mean, may- oh, yeah, but not those. I- the horses can't help who they're taken places. I don't know. Uh-huh. I'm just here to relate the information. I know. I'm just, I'm not a fan of Emily. I know. So, sounds of a young woman screaming from the bridge to go to the bridge and find no one there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people being touched or scratched. Uh, which, once again, don't touch me. Don't. I, I couldn't. I, you know what? Touch me. Don't scratch me. Like, she seems vicious. Oh, she's a vengeful spirit. She's living up to that title. She's living her best life. Oh. <laughs> uh, photograph abnormalities such as orbs, blur spots, faint images of women, and faces. Ooh, faces, plural. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm uh, sorry. Sorry. I'm just like so freaked out. Maybe it's just like images of women mm. and images of faces. Okay. Like plural, but as in a singular term, like. Maybe it's the same time? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know which is spookier, honestly. I did look for these images, and I couldn't find any. Like, I've seen some with, like, blur spots. Yeah. But sometimes I like to critically think at these things, and I'm like, that could be a rain spot. So I would need a lot more proof than a little blurry water spot on the lens. Good. But I didn't find any, holy shit, this is here pictures okay, fair enough that's too bad because that would have been awesome to see i know and then flashes of lights not from passing cars Ooh. got some alien shit going on a little bit yeah so xpi lead paranormal investigator experienced sensations of being touched and brushed up against his left side sorry what's sp for xpi xpi i have no idea it's a paranormal group Okay, no, that's totally fair. Yeah, I didn't actually look at the long term, which I really should have. That's okay. But it's a paranormal investigator group. Okay, fair enough. He had sensations of being touched and brushed up against his left side. Mm-mm. His ex- 
his team experienced equipment malfunction. The fully charged batteries that they came with were drained within 10 minutes. And the backup battery was drained after 20. Ew. Yeah. Another member of the crew complained about the recording equipment turning itself off only when they were inside the bridge. Ooh. Finally, their remote full-spectrum cameras blinked on and off all evening. Oh, Oh, that's gross. Yeah. I feel like a theme here with these last two, but activity at local haunt causes headaches for Stow Halloween. Kind of another PSA. Okay. Don't be assholes. On some still summer nights, you can hear strange sounds coming from Emily's bridge. Shuffling footsteps, rustling clothes, the shouts of youths and manacle laughter. A whistle. <laughs> For residents of Covered Bridge Road in Stowe, these disturbances are a constant source of sleepless nights. But the culprit's name is probably not Emily. The jilted teenage lover whose specter is said to haunt... The framed structure. More likely, it's a late night reveler come in search of Emily's spirit, or simply in search of some fun. Ghost hunters have long been drawn to the supposedly haunted bridge for the promise of a fight, creating a minor annoyance for the residents. But lately, an explosion of people who would apparently rather have a beer, or seven, with Emily than a seance is keeping residents up late at night. Oh, man. For the most part, residents say the ghost hunters who show up at the bridge between midnight and 3 a.m. are very respectful, absent of the occasional scream. But the partiers are getting to be a bit much. Moral of the story, please be respectful to the people living in the area, and if you want to go to the location or any haunted area that has neighbors living in the area, please don't be an asshole. Yeah, that should be a given. I don't understand why people have to be reminded, hey, people live here, keep it down. I agree. Um, I'm I'm seeing a very large theme with a lot of these like smaller haunts mm -hmm. is the neighbors are just like, Fucking come on. Done with you. Right. So like, I think they're super cool, but I feel like maybe don't be an asshole. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my references was the good old Wikipedia. Love it. Atlasobscura.com, mm -hmm. medium.com, and vtcng.com. Awesome. Yeah. There's actually like quite a bit of history on this bridge and it was really cool to read about. That's super cool. I've never heard of that before. I think I watched part of the episode. Okay. So I definitely heard of it before, but like I never, you know, when you watch TV and it's kind of just out of the side of your eye. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That was super cool. Yeah. So that's the stories we've got for tonight. You're going to have to check us out next week for F stories. Yes, next yes. week is F Stories. Yeah. I'm trying to think, does Nocturnal Novella come out? Nocturnal Novellas will already be out by the time this is released. Yes. Yes. So excited. So if you want to listen to our bonus episodes called Nocturnal Novellas, Courtney, do you want to explain what it is? The Nocturnal Novellas are short, sweet stories of just little... Could be funny, could be interesting, but it's not so much as a very rigid deep dive into anything. It's just little fun stories that me and Elise want to go through as kind of a little break from all the really heavy stuff that we talk about every week. Yeah, absolutely. So we're really excited for you guys to listen to that and let us know what you think. 
And please make sure to rate and review and share us with your friends or your family, anybody who loves true crime. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks again for listening. Thanks. Have a good night. Thanks for tuning in to C is for Creepy. We put out weekly episodes every Tuesday going through the creepy alphabet. Check out our website at acast.com slash C is for Creepy. Or on Facebook at C is for Creepy Podcast. Or on Instagram at C for Creepy Podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, please email us at C for Creepy at gmail.com. Artwork done by Alexis Daly. Check out her work at L-E-X-X-A underscore artwork on Instagram. See you next week. Bye.